Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. Indeed, it's One Man's Opinion. What's up, everybody? Thank you for downloading the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in, making uh, the show part of your weekly regimen, daily regimen, however you've chosen to be here. Appreciate you. I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. My name, of course, is Jeff Manns. You hear me weekday afternoons on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, Channel 87, hosting the Elite Sports Show. You could also find me every single waking moment over at fantasyguru.com. I am owner operator of such website and the elite sports network. Um, yeah. And find me on social media at Jeff underscore man's on Twitter. Although, Oh, Twitter has become a cesspool. The Jeff man's all one word on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. I got a lot to get to here today. Ladies and gentlemen, number one, uh, I want to reiterate how much I do appreciate you spreading the word, getting news out there on this podcast uh, was gone for several weeks back in you know, late March when I had the surgery and all that good stuff. Health is good. Uh, I'll talk more about that here in a moment. I got a lot to talk about, a lot to get off my chest. This is one of those episodes, folks, where I am solo today. I'm going, we're going to start bringing in guests. I got a lot of guests lined up in future episodes. If you're tired of hearing my nasally drone drone, that's fine. I don't blame you, but I got a lot to talk about today. And um, topics range from, uh, I'm going to, as you could tell, probably from the name of this episode that I'm going to attack the uh, third round reversal fantasy football draft setups. I'm going to talk about outdated rules. If you listen to the Sirius XM show, you've heard some of this, but now you get the unfiltered approach and uh, the unfiltered way to say it. I've also going to talk dynasty leagues. Um, been doing that on the radio show all week long, but I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. So I'm going to get into some dynasty league strategies and some targets and players to go after uh, so we can get that, that advantage on our competition out there as well. So we'll uh, get into that in this episode as well. So uh, you know, buckle in. This is one I feel a lot of like anger or anxiety inside of me. So there's going to be cursing if you're in with the kids or if this is over Bluetooth right now, whatever, you might want to wait on this episode to later or turn down the volume because it's going to get a little dirty. All right, so a buyer beware right there. Uh, but yeah, so continue spreading the word. That's that's what I want to stress to everybody. Um, you know, when you miss a, on a podcast, when you miss uh, a few weeks, especially on a once-a-week show like this, uh, it be, goes out of people's regimen, and that's perfectly understandable. So I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Got a lot of cool things lined up, like I said, guests and some specialty shows too. Going to branch out. Imagine that, this old man branching out a little bit. So let's dive right into it. So what my week has been is quite interesting. It's, it's I have, a week ago, I declared to people, um, I'm saying, I'm in every league that I'm invited to every league. I I'm just want every fantasy football league. I should say I only did one fantasy baseball league this year. 
that was a lot of health related stuff. I didn't do um, any high stakes leagues this year for the first time in probably 12 years. I just didn't play in any seasonal leagues. I just didn't have, as you know, I've been dealing with the, uh, um, the colon issue have found a mass on my colon last November. In case you guys didn't hear previous episodes, uh, I am doing extraordinarily well, like possibly the best I've felt in five to 10 years. I, I don't even understand how that's possible, but evidently the issues, the mass that was there have caused problems and discomfort that I didn't even know existed. So I'm really feeling good and God willing it, it holds on and stays this way. You know, I'm pretty excited about it. Now I'm out doing more exercising, playing basketball again, going on walks again, and you know, all that kind of stuff that like, I haven't really done in a while, you know, I used to be very athletic as a younger man and always thought, Oh, I'm just getting old, but evidently now I just had some issues. So strongly recommend the routine colonoscopy where my issue was found. Um, just cannot recommend that routine maintenance. It's like your car. It's no sense in buying an expensive car. If you're not going to take care of it and get that routine maintenance done and make sure you're, you're on top of everything. So again, I'm not here to preach to you, even though it may sound like that in this episode, but I, I highly recommend it because I'll tell you if I would have known even fuck man, three, four weeks ago, I, I would have, I was really like, fuck that surgery, man. That sucked. I hated being out for like six weeks, you know, felt like shit for six weeks. And now that I'm kind of, as my doctor would say, 80% through, I feel amazing. So that's good news. Strongly recommend getting taken care of for you guys out there as well. And getting back to the life that you want to be living. Um, So, you know, going through this stuff, I'm setting up the draft guide. We're ready to launch June 1st over at fantasyguru.com. I'm really pumped up about it this year. Every year I, I go into each season with an open mind and an open heart and looking for what, what can I provide listeners, subscribers, readers, viewers? What can I do the best as an analyst? Like what's my job? what can I bring to the table that is needed out there? How do I make myself useful? Um, It's an important part of what we do. At least it used to be. It was, I think it's a lost art these days for some reason. It's funny because we've got a couple new hires that we're bringing in for our uh, baseball product, our NBA product, our NFL product. Got a couple new faces you'll be seeing over around fantasyguru.com, And I hope to get them on this podcast. As a matter of fact, as soon as next week, possibly. So we'll see on that, but you'll be hearing and seeing some new faces. Um, I will take you behind the curtain as an executive at the elite sports network and somebody who's basically in charge of hiring and, and, and all that I've interviewed everybody. I think, I mean, everybody in the industry, whether you see them at other sites and things, at least have had conversations you know, there's always movement. Uh, it's like free agency all the time in the fantasy sports industry. We're always talking and there's no harm in that. I know our guys talk to other companies, uh, uh, you know, they may not know. I know this, but we all talk and it's, it's fine. Right. Uh, my job is to make a great work environment and to keep people happy, give them a workload and responsibilities and a paycheck that is beneficial to them and good for them that they want to stay in that. That's the whole art. And I've had some of our guys 
as well as some of these phone calls for new hires, some of the interviews that I've done, people ask, well, you know, I want to be full-time in the, in this fantasy sports industry. I want to grow my brand. I want to get bigger. I want to get more money and more prestige, whatever. And what I, my best advice always is just keep going, keep working. Don't take time off. Like I just said, I took three weeks off this podcast and honestly, my numbers, my podcast numbers uh, dropped by almost 30%. Like the listenership, it dropped 30%. That's the way it goes, you know? And I don't fault anybody. That's not, that's, it's my fault. You know, those are the things you have to weigh when you're in my shoes or anybody's shoes. All you, we're all in the same shoes, whether it's this job that I'm doing or your job, it's the same thing. We go away, somebody passes us up. People find new ways of doing things. It's, it's just normal. We can't expect that, hey, I'm going to miss time, even if it's a good reason. And, oh, you guys all stay the same and give me the same amount of attention that I had before. That's not how it works. So I got to earn that back. And that's what I'm doing here. Um, or, you know, earning it back, putting on good programming, hopefully, and, and all that. But that's the way it goes. But you got to keep going. And it's hard when you're starting out to get traction, to get the kind of attention you think you that you want, that you think you deserve, so on and so forth. But putting in the work, right? Putting in the time, putting in the effort, doing things that fill needs, asking yourself, what would I like to see? A, a, a tip for all the content providers out there, think about that. What would you like to see? Think about it and then Google it. You know you do it anyway. I want to know who the top running back or last three years. Blah, blah, blah. So, okay. Go Google it. Can you find it? Yeah. There's 20 websites that come up that you could pull that up. Okay. Well, all right. So that's maybe not useful. Everybody could Google it, but then you want to know, well, you know, what kind of, what kind of defense does uh, Clint hurt or the um, uh, Seattle Seahawks? What, what's he going to employ? coverage wise in the Seattle defense this year's season, first year defense coordinator, go Google that. No fucking idea. No, it's nowhere. So now you got, now you got to dig, right? It's not, it's not, it doesn't pop up. So now you got to dig. So that, so what does that tell me? That tells me that's a great place to start. There will be people that need to know that information and yet it's not readily available. So now that's a research project that I can go and sink my teeth into. That's something that I, it's a need that I can fill. And that's what this industry really is about. However, this industry has become very much copycat. Everybody wants to put out the same content, the same exact content. And it's befuddling to me how we're, we're all just accepting of it and just expect it. I, I don't think it's good for the listeners. I don't think it's good for the readers, the subscribers, the, the players out there playing fantasy sports. It's not good for you to have everybody agreeing on the same batch of players. And I don't know if it's just Twitter or if it's whatnot. I have some thoughts on certain groups that have become toxic within the fantasy sports industry and community. Um, And that's not good for the people because those people set up websites and they charge money and then they go and give the absolute most hacky advice ever and expect to make a living from it. And that's just, that's wrong. And it drags my profession down. It drags my career down and it hurts the 
players when they're getting shitty advice. Right. And and one of the things I'm talking about. So what happened to me over this past week is I I joined a league. Again, a week ago, I'm in every league. Everybody asks. Somebody asked me to be in the league. I did the league and it's actually a very good league. Absolutely no negativity. I'm not even going to name the league because I just simply don't want a negative connotation to the league. It's actually something for charity. Um, It's a good thing. Good group of people. Great group of people. Great. Everything's great, but there is a rule in there and shame on me for not knowing the rule. I could make excuses because when you write up the rules and just say, you know, it's a, it's a one paragraph with everything lumped together and somewhere in there, it says T R R. I did not have any thought that that meant third round reversal. Now, ultimately my fault, no problem. Right. And So I learned the hard way that this was a third round reversal league. I had the first pick, mind you. So I was expecting back-to-back picks. I wound up with um, one pick and I went to make my second pick and I was no longer on the clock and and I had, I had to wait. Now this is an 18, 18, one, eight team league. So the difference between the what would have been 37th pick and what 54th pick that's a big deal that is a monster deal and obviously i would have chosen different than everything else i have no problem living with that and, and not an excuse whatsoever not my point my point was i took to twitter i just said hey let's rethink third round reversal drafts. This is not necessary in 2022. And I strongly believe that not because I got screwed. Absolutely not. It's just something that we shouldn't even be considering anymore. For those that don't know, third round reversals, what it does is you draft, let's say a 12 team league, it goes one to 12, 12 to one for the second round. But instead of back to one to 12, it goes 12 to one again for the third round. The reason this was created It was created to balance out the beginning of drafts where the first couple picks back in the late nineties in the late nineties, it was the stud quarterback. I remember the, one of the only times in my life that I got the first pick chose the top guy and just ran to the championship. It was 97, 1997. And those who don't know, I've been playing fantasy sports since 1989. Icky Woods, Eric Metcalf, yada, yada, yada. In 1997, I drafted Brett Favre first overall, and I just walked, just right there, just championship. That was, it was just really that kind of easy. Now, there, I think there were better picks in hindsight and looking back at those years, but Favre was one of the top guys. I think he was the top quarterback, one of the top overall performers, so on and so forth. And, it just was what it was. So um, very rarely does that happen, but it, it did happen in the late nineties, early two thousands priest Holmes, Marshall Falk, priest Holmes, LaDania Tomlinson, Clinton Portis, that run of like 2000, 1999 through 2006, 2008 ish. There was, when you got the number one pick, or even one of the top two, you had a pretty big advantage over the bottom half of your draft. Everybody, we, there was, 
choose your own draft slot wasn't even really a thing because who the hell would choose 12 when you could go one? That's just what it, it was. So you always took the top pick. So there was no choose. And if you've noticed how many of your leagues have, have changed recently to choose your own draft spot. Hey, I finished in last or I finished in first. You get the first choice choosing your draft slot. You look over. It's like, okay, I'll take 10 or 12. You know, I like the end or, you know, I'll want to be in the middle or something. You don't necessarily take one very often anymore. And the reason you don't do that is because there is no, as much as you like the number one picks, whether it be Jonathan Taylor this year, McCaffrey last couple of years, whatever. It's not that you were never expecting to get that monumental of an advantage over the rest. I think maybe in 2020 with McCaffrey, because he came off that 450 point, 100 catch season, maybe you did, but you were false to think that. You can't, you can't expect that. There's nobody in going into 2022 that you would project out. It's like, yeah, he's going to get 450 plus points. Nobody, no, no way. Mm-mm. Now, somebody may do that, but somebody accomplishing that and knowing it's going to happen, which was the case back in the Marshall Falk, Priest Holmes, LaDania Thompson, Clinton Portis, Sean Alexander days, that it's a different animal. So, Third round reversal was invented. It balances things out, yada, yada, yada. It was fine. It it hasn't been necessary for well over 10 years. And that's fine. You know, it it always takes a couple of years to make sure when the NFL is not going to go back to a different type of league. And it hasn't. The league has changed significantly. And it's the way it's changed should curb any kind of thought that there is a for sure slam dunk number one player. But there isn't. You know why? Because if Cooper Cup was a running back, he would be the number one pick by a fucking mile this year. A fucking mile. The fact that he's not even in consideration, and most people, he is in mine. I definitely consider Cooper Cup a number one overall potential. I do think we'll get some regression with Allen Robinson being there, healthy, all that, Van Jefferson. I I think we'll see some regression, but I still have a high first-round grade on Cooper Cup. But he should be in that contention. The fact that he's not is laughable. It just speaks to how much we don't change. And that's – I've tried to make a point all week long about old philosophies, old ways of doing business. It just doesn't gel anymore. You need to evolve. You need to advance. You need to continuously – rethink things and i went into that last episode the five monkey theory right that same fucking philosophy and so many people don't do it well again it caught me this so i said i can't believe we're still doing the third round reversal i can't believe we're still doing this it's just mind-boggling to me that uh that that we're still thinking this is viable and what happened was i, I get I didn't get a conversation. I would love that. I wanted a conversation. I wouldn't have tweeted that unless I wanted a conversation. I didn't get a conversation. I got absolute anger. I got absolute fury about it. Right? Furious people. And I started noticing a pattern. Right? Like, all right, who's doing Number one, people that don't follow me. Okay. 
what? How, how do you see what? That's another thing is I'm in this weird situation where people that don't follow me, follow me. They, they, unf- they won't give me the satisfaction of me following them. For one, please understand, I value my followers. With that, if you choose not to, that's fine. Not a problem, but stay the fuck off my timeline then, right? Like, why? This is crazy ex-girlfriend type shit. The fuck away from me. Why are you looking at my timeline? Right? Why? If you don't want to follow, because you fucking need it. Because you're just waiting for me to fuck up. That's what you're trying to do. That's, that's what this whole fucking universe is doing right now. Everybody just seems to want everybody to fuck up or say something. And so I said something that's, I guess, controversial, which it isn't. And I get pounced. And I got pounced on by a certain community. It's the NFFC, National Fantasy Football Championship, National Fantasy Baseball Championship. A, an organization, which I know the guy, the two gentlemen that run it, I really respect them. I've looked to their advice. I've been mentored by them for 15 plus years. I've hung out, had beers with these guys. I've been to live drafts with the NFFC. I've played in the NFFC, NFBC, both or at least one of them every year for 15 years. And I've had good success doing it. I've never won an overall, but I've had good success. But I don't multi-enter. I may have two teams sometimes. I think one year I had three. I think me, Ted, and Al Williams from Fantasy Alarm split. And we in each divided. We went group. I do a lot of group where, you know, I will, um, you know, back in the day, Al used to buy in and I would draft a team or we'd split it three ways and go under Ted's name or somebody else or my name. Like it was all, I never give a shit about that stuff. Right. But the, the people now, the NFFC as a whole, it's a great contest. I will play this contest this year. I endorse this product. I like this product. It has third round reversal. I don't like third round reversal. Oh, well, guess what? I also don't like PPR. I really don't. I really don't like, I think PPR credits, you know, shitty players for doing shitty things for no reason. I still play in it, right? I don't really love I'm starting to like two quarterback. I don't like two quarterback leagues. I like super flex leagues. I used to not. I didn't like it for years. I kind of shunned two super flex leagues or two quarterback. I don't like the two quarterback. I like the super flex. I like having the ability to start a quarterback, but not every week if you don't need to. Um, And I still play them. Why? Because I don't need to love every fucking thing all the time. Uh, It's not that big of a deal. I'm not trying to throw shade at hurt and hurt the people or the organization of the NFFC or any other high stakes tournament or contest. It's fucking ridiculous that I have to say these things because I've done this with my hard earned money. I've done this with my time. I've done this by traveling the world, uh, doing these events by having people on my shows, having banners on my websites. I've done all of it. And yet I'm getting shit on by there. The, what has happened with the NFFC. It, again, this is, I wish it, it's not even the high stakes community. I don't FFPC people 
they never, I never see them bitching and complaining and thumbing their nose at people. I have been attacked by NFFC people, players, not the executives, not Greg or Tom, who I respect, like I said, to the utmost. I don't think Tom likes me. I don't know why. I, I just don't know. You know. The whispers behind closed doors, I have no idea. But again, I'm not, I am very upfront with everybody about everything, I think. And, you know, if you want to know something, ask me. I do the Ask Man's Anything. I'll, I always got this. Anyway, what it reminds me of, so I got, People hitting me, do you only play high stakes? Tell me you don't like high stakes. Without telling me you play high stakes, you don't play high stakes. I got like 50 messages, all by this one group, 85% of which don't even follow me. Now, some of them are friends with and partners with guys who do follow me and used to work here. And they think like, I don't know that they're sending them. Of course they're sending him blah, blah, blah. But it's fucking ridiculous. And let me send a message to those people. I am high stakes motherfuckers. That's right. This big, bad motherfucker you don't like that you hear bad things about. I am the highest of stakes motherfucker you've ever seen in your fucking life. Every fucking word that I say has money behind it. Every single minute of my time I spend for people, I spend for competitors, for players, for daily fantasy, for seasonal fantasy, for high stakes fantasy, for betting and every word means something to me. Every word, every strategy, projection and ranking, not right all the time, but every, I feel, there's no difference to me. No difference to me. The advice I give for somebody who's playing in the office league that wants to know the best wide receiver to draft in the first round or the eighth round or the high stakes player that thinks they're better than everybody else because they spend a little bit of money. By the way, I played high stakes, according to your bullshit entry fees, in 1991, or uh, 93. No, it was in 94. Curtis Martin's rookie year. That was my first year. $200 buy-in home league. That was a ton of money. I was 16 years old. That was a lot of money to me, Right. That's about, you know, these draft champion leagues and things that you guys fucking just go gaga over. To me, it's chump change. I I don't consider that. If you want to spend $1,500 and there's $10,000 high stakes leagues, yeah, that's high stakes for sure. I don't think that's any more important than somebody that's listening to this podcast home league or friends and family league. I just don't. I don't know what's important to everybody, but when you are on national radio for 12 years and you own the largest independent fantasy site over at fantasyguru.com, as I do, and you have 28,000 people that subscribe to your information, everything you do and say matters. It's important. It's vital. People depend on it. It's not just your little bubble. I respect your bubble, but you don't respect, you know, you people don't seem to respect anything outside of that bubble. You think the sun rises and sets 
in your little NFFC, NFBC fucking spectrum, and you're wrong. It's a blip on the asshole of the fantasy sports industry. It's just a blip. You have fun doing it. You enjoy it. You like, that's fucking great. Wonderful. I love it. Like I said, I enjoy it. I, I'll say this. I used to enjoy it. I'm starting to really not enjoy it because of you people. My buddy Ray Flowers is probably the smartest fantasy baseball analyst around. I'm biased, maybe. He has been desecrated by the NFFC community, NFBC community, for not playing in high stakes. Ray is not a gambler. Ray doesn't like gambling. He doesn't do that, but he analyzes great. He helps other people do that. He doesn't like to do it. He plays in all the industry leagues. He plays in, you know, he's in my high stakes football league. He probably doesn't want me saying that, but he is. Higher stakes than the NFFC, at least at the, you know, the majority of their contests. And yet he gets ridiculed as if he doesn't have skin in the game and all this shit. You don't have to have skin in the game is your fucking time. There's nothing more important. And by the way, why don't you guys stop spending all your money drafting teams? Improve your life. I've seen your lives. They're fucking pathetic, man. They're fucking pathetic. Some of you. Like you live in squalor, but you're spending thousands on drafting fantasy teams. Get a goddamn job. Do something productive. Help your family out of what the problem they're in. I'm high stakes because my life depends on fantasy sports. I have a wife, three kids, special needs brother that depends on me. That's what every day I go to work, I do it for my family. And that's the highest of stakes there is. I sold, I quit my government, patty government job a decade ago to go work full-time when I built Fantasy Alarm. I went, quit. I took a lifetime of earnings. I was two and a half years short of full-time pension. Threw it away in order to take this chance. That's the kind, that's the high stakes that I've lived. That's what I've invested into this. I don't take a moment of it for granted. Everything's important. Everybody that I could reach and help and talk to and help motivate, that's what's important. Your little bubble of high stakes may be fun and, and great for you, but it doesn't mean anything to the rest of the world. Not bother. I know it bothers you. And I'm glad about it. It should. It good. You, you're a little, you're a little baby back, wuss. If you're bothered by that, you don't like me saying that. But I took that chance ten years ago. Most of you didn't. Most of you still, you, you pretend to be in the industry, but you have day jobs, limiting your availability. You know when you limit your availability, you know what you do. You tell people, well, you're not important, right? You can't help people in the mornings or the night times or the evenings or the day times or the weekends or the holidays. And while that's understandable, don't act like you're the be all end all of fantasy sports or the industry. And you're helping more people. You ain't helping shit. And mind you, let's also go into the winnings and what I've won in this industry. 
from high stakes leagues to DFS to cash games to GPPs to live finals to qualifiers to betting. I, I put it out there. Do you want to compare bank accounts? Let's compare bank accounts sometime. I had nothing. When I left the my job, my day job, and took the the gamble, right? I I talked to guys like Matthew Barry, Nando Defino, a lot of guys at that time asking, you know, should I do this? Should I not do it? And it's the tough one, the toughest decision. I refinanced my house. I sold both my car, my wife's car. My wife backed me up on the whole thing. We had three small kids at the time, two-year-old son, just born. We took that kind of we we took that kind of risk. We sold everything, all the equity in any in the house that we had in Illinois, everything. I risked everything to 0.0 all the way down because I wasn't making that much money. Now, when I went full-time, I was making 30%. And uh, again, Al Williams and Rick Wolf over at Fancy Alarm could attest. They know what I was making. And it was a third of what I was making in my real job. And that's what I, but I bet on myself. I felt good and I was going to outwork everybody and I knew it was a competition. And if it's a competition, uh, I'm ready to throw down. Okay. And that's what I did. And over last, and I sit here today, uh, a multimillionaire. It's not supposed, it's not meant to brag. It's meant to put a perspective onto this little bubble of $300 entry bullshit. I'm bigger than everybody fucktards that's what it's doing i sit here with millions to my name and i don't thus i don't need to do shit i could sit the rest of my life in my fucking pool and get a tan if i wanted don't tell me i'm not high stakes you're not high stakes you play in a couple leagues awesome cool but when you're on national radio with, oh, my God, the amount of for 12 years, with the somebody could throw anything at you at any time, live phone calls, live radios, technology hiccups and issues and real reacting in real time to news and scores and highlights and things that are going on, and you're able to make profits from that, and you're able to give good advice, and you're able to get a lot of people to tune in. That's the high stakes there is. When your name, when everybody in your little bubble tries to tear somebody like me down and I continue to succeed, that's high stakes. That's high stakes. So I've outlasted a lot of people, a lot that I came up with that I've seen come and go. And I love this job. I love my subscribers, my listeners, my people. I love it. I love them to death. They know I do. I spend my weeks with them. I chat with them all the time, all the time. Pete, you guys know the elite mafia knows how much I care for them. I'm sick in bed. I'm chatting with the mafia. Fuck. I didn't call my extended family, my immediate family, my brothers and sisters didn't know shit. The elite mafia knew before about my health issues before my family did this. That is my family. That's high state. When you care about people, the way that I do and our staff does it over at fantasyguru.com or on the elite sports show, 
then you realize that everything's high stakes. Everybody's valuable, whether they're playing for free, a dollar, a nickel, $10,000, it's all the same. So what, what, the NFFC, NFBC crowd reminds me, mind you, there's FFWC, FFPC. There's other high stakes organizations that simply uh, the, the players themselves don't act like this. I never see people so resentful of other styles and formats in my life. I've never seen it. So <laughs> um, it reminds me of the radical political people, Democrats, Republicans. I, again, I am not any of it. I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican, man. I don't do it. But you guys all know, don't get mad. Go fuck yourself. You're going to get mad. You've seen the radical Democrats. Let people steal. Let everybody rob. Oh. And then you've seen the radical Republicans. They're fucking, whether storming the, the, uh, the Capitol or, you know, get violent on people and have to say fuck everybody all the time. Like both sides are just ridiculous. They've turned militant for some reason. Those sections have just gone to extremists on both sides, equally both sides. That's what's happening to this certain high stakes community. I'm just, I'm so curious why. Because as I said, organization and the leaders of the organization are great guys, good people. I've known a long time and I doubt that they recommend this, that they, advocate this that they support this i wonder if they know how militant how uncharacteristic how just absurd that these players have become and again when they're your customers can you say anything i don't i guess not i would i did it elite mafia guys you guys know you guys know elite <laughs> elite guru elite we had people that were in your face and wanted to, you know, one thing to be in your face and all that. It's another thing to tell everybody to go fuck themselves and they, they aren't shit and their lives don't matter. And when that happens, I had to rise up and I did it. Others did it, not just me. A lot of us did. We all stood up and said, get the fuck out. You're out. We're not going to be a part of this. And when I see this from my subscribers, I do the same thing. I'm not, I've canceled subscriptions before. I, I boot people from our chats before when it gets, you know, I'm all about free speech. Say anything you want, criticize me. Oh yeah, all that. But you know, we gotta be, we gotta be based in reality. And the reality is the people that think they're high stakes aren't high stakes. $300 isn't high stakes. $1,500, okay, that's high stakes, especially when you play multiples. But that's another question. Why, if you're so good, do you have to play 20 different drafts, 10 different drafts? Why do you, why do you have to do so many drafts? You like drafting. Okay, that's cool. But you know that doesn't make you better, right? I mean, deep down, you know it. Come on. You know it. Anyway, all right. I don't want to high harp way too long on this, uh, on this topic. No question about it. And uh, if you guys don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, I apologize in advance. I uh, had to get that off my chest. I just um, just do not like what's happening in this industry. And I think ultimately the people 
suffer. Let's get into some um, dynasty fantasy football talk here as well. I want to talk about some of my favorite plays. So I'm doing the dynasty week on the elite sports show on Sirius XM. I talk about strategies and the startup draft and the rookie draft and everything. One of the missing links here in dynasty leagues is we put way too much emphasis on young players. Young players don't work out. They have less than a, at the skill position, a less than 15% hit rate. It's not good, right? Quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end specifically. So you're not getting, getting more picks in a dynasty rookie draft. It doesn't help you. It's not really helping. It helps you again. It helps you like multi entering a high stakes contest. You'll hit one and then think you're the bee's knees because you got one thing right, but your others shit the bed. That doesn't really, you know, it can help. It can help, I suppose, on one team getting all those picks. But ultimately, you don't know where you're targeting. You don't know what you're doing. Here, let me throw something out to you that is all about the uh, um, a missing strategy, missing link, if you will, in dynasty leagues. And that's per, for one trading at the deadline the year before that's when you're going to get the most bang for the buck. The, the further you are away from the rookie draft, remember dynasty players love action. They want to keep going. They want to grind. I love it. It's my mentality. I love that's my heart is in dynasty. Right. And I think there's best ball elements in there too, where, you do a thousand drafts. You want to keep drafting, 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 drafting. Cause you love it. I get it. I bleed that. I love that. But you're the closer you are to that, the NFL draft and the rookie draft, the more passionate you're going to be about those picks and the more you're going to have to pay for those rookie picks. Whereas you can get people to trade away draft picks the year before at the trade deadline much more likely to get something and multiple picks at that point too, because they're not really what they see in front of them is week 13 or 14, whatever your deadline is 12, right? That's what they see. And they don't really worry about what's going to happen in May. They're trying to win a championship. And those that if you're going to sell off, you should know the trajectory of your team. You should know, you know, where your you know, each position group is at. And I recommend doing that. Look at your quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, defensive players, your edge rushers and your defensive line as a whole and linebackers and defensive backs and, and make and understand what the ideal ages are for those groups. And that's something that gets missed quite a bit as well. And, you know, you, you start aging out of certain positions and then that's when you're left with an empty void. And that's when you feel the desperation to go out and get and fill that position. Right. That, and that becomes a real problem because you get desperate, you overpay or in the rookie draft, you take a position that isn't, there's clearly a better player available, but you take, because oh, I just needed a running back. Cause I, uh, my number one guy is Devin Singletary or Rashad Penny. And I'm not sure. Well, shit, yeah. But the um, the ideal ages uh, for the, the peak years, and I do this study over fantasyguru.com all the time as part of our 
draft guide every single year. Quarterbacks, 27 to 32 is their prime years for fantasy production. Normal, it's actually trending down because many reasons, you know, the, the drafting quarterbacks early, giving them the starting job in year one, you need to see that. We're seeing a lot of steps up by year two. Quarterbacks don't have leashes that much. So even though 27 to 32 is technically the rolling every 10 years uh, peak of fantasy quarterbacks, I would, I would trim it down 25 to 30. That's the age group for quarterbacks for running backs. It's super young, 22 to 26. That's where you want to be. When you start getting a court, a running back that starts hitting um, the, the older age, you start getting, especially one with um, a lot of miles on them or injury history or something like that. You need to start thinking about upgrading that position, moving those players, selling them high. Austin Eckler is 27 years old. You know, I mean, going to be 28. Derrick Henry, fucking Jones fracture at 27, carrying all that weight. Aaron Jones, 27, getting older, right? James Conner, Leonard Fournette, you know, high guys that we really like in redraft for 2022. But in Dynasty, you, you want, at the running back position specifically, you want to get off the boat before it sinks because it does like quarterback wide receiver tight end it's a nice flat line it's a ski slope when you see the graphs in our draft guide it's nice slow you know you, you get you see them falling off with running backs it's um it's a cliff they just complete completely boom gone completely so got to be careful Right, got to be careful when it comes to that. Um, running backs got to get early. Wide receivers, it's that's another one trending younger. Whole league is trending younger. Let's face it, twenty-four to thirty. Wide receivers have a longer peak years, but twenty-four to thirty is when we're seeing them peak. Tight ends are older, twenty-eight to thirty-two. You don't see young tight ends make an impact. With Kyle Pitts, did last year was a monumental disappointment to dynasty leaguers that took him first overall. And a lot of people, but he still was in like historically great for a rookie tight end, but he wasn't even in the top five of his position group. So I love him now. Right. And I think I'm hell man, you might be able to get Kyle Pitts for cheaper. Now, let's say you had the third or fourth pick in your dynasty draft. You might be able to get him for that. And maybe you had to throw it a little something. Whereas you needed to use the first or second pick last year. I mean, that, that's, on, that's crazy. That just shows how overvalued he was last year. And again, I'm a Kyle Pitts fan, but it's the truth. The age groups don't lie. So as you start getting aging out of those groups, you start making moves accordingly. And again, sell, don't ever be afraid to sell high. If you're afraid to sell high, don't be a dynasty league player. It's not for you. All right. It's just not. You're going to have to. I, I trade Dalvin cook right now. You're going to have to trade a um, Derrick Henry. while you still got value Eckler. These are guys you probably maybe you're a year early, maybe, but, or you could be timing it perfectly where you're going to get a massive return for these guys. Kelsey, same thing. 
you're going to get a massive return for these guys and they're going to fall off the cliff maybe next year. Maybe it doesn't happen this year. Maybe they're very productive this year. But going forward, you'll have three, four pieces between players and picks that you can't, any of them, any kind of production after that, you've won. You've won that argument or you've won that trade long-term. Um, the other thing you, you got to do is be able to pick up guys. I love this time of year when they open trades. I love to go out and scoop up second or even third-year players that haven't popped yet. Players that I believed in before or I've seen and, and you know, maybe they're backups. Maybe, you know, there's something that we've seen that if they get the opportunity, remember, that's everything. Opportunity is everything. All these players are talented. But would you even know the name Tyler Huntley if Lamar didn't go down last year? Fucking guy was behind Trace McSorley. But things broke right for him, and now he's one of the best backup running backs in the league. And we know from a fantasy standpoint, if that guy gets on the field, good things are going to happen. Mike White, did he forget the 400 yards against the Bengals? Did we forget about that? Mike White week a couple uh, last year. You know, those, those guys, these are some quarterbacks that have appeal to us. All they need is to get an opportunity. Fucking Baker Mayfield, everybody in the NFL hates him, but he's also a guy who's absolutely going to be moved. And if he lands in the right spot, it could be tremendous for fantasy. Right, especially a lot of our dynasty leagues have moved to the two QB or super flex format. Pick up Baker for a late round pick, or fuck yeah, why not? Take a shot on it. A guy like that. I'll tell you another guy. You want to know? All right, let's get into Jeff Man's secret stash. You guys stuck with me. If you stuck it out this episode with me bitching about the high stakes community, um, you you're owed the secret sauce. Let's get, let's get to the real shit here. You know, a guy that in my deepest leagues, whether it be redraft or dynasty, I'm trying to sneaky gain shares of Gardner Minshew. Jalen hurts runs a lot. Jalen hurts. Jalen hurts. I like him a lot more. My partner in crime, Ted Schuster doesn't like him. Doesn't think he could throw the football. I disagree. I see a lot of good things out of hurts at Oklahoma. I saw it at Alabama. They chose Tua over him, which I think was not cool. Not the right move either. It worked for Alabama, but I, I'm pretty sure I could have quarterbacked that team to a national championship. But Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma's great. He had some of the worst wide receiver play I've ever seen in life last year in Philadelphia. But all that running, injuries, an aging offensive line, think about if Jalen Hurts – goes down Gardner Minshew steps in now all of a sudden you change the offense a bit now it's not that RPO heavy run 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 create running lanes type thing but you got AJ Brown Devontae Smith Dallas Goddard some real weapons even Rieger is a third at least he stretches the field right with Minshew winging the ball that's pretty intriguing I've never been a Gardner Minshew guy but in this offense it's Again, this is deep stash. This is one hit away to fantasy stardom type stuff. 
I like that. Long term, I like Sam Howell in Washington. I like it. I think he starts next year. Carson Wentz, is just, his routine gets old all the, everywhere. And Sam Howell's a gunslinger, man. And him with McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, pretty exciting, quite honestly with you. I obviously like Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. I think with Pitts and Drake London, possibly Calvin Ridley coming back in 2023, if he could stop betting on stuff and shit. I mean, that's that's a great little group there all of a sudden for Desmond Ritter taking over from Mariota. I don't mind Mariota in Dynasty. Whether he starts for Atlanta or somewhere else, I think he could show enough to be a starter in this league. I've thought that the whole time. Mariota was a guy that in my secret Dynasty stash list each of the last two years hasn't worked. And that's why this is a deep stash list. It's not going to work all the time, but they're one. You need to align yourself and align your roster with guys who are one spot away from crushing it. That's how you turn your dynasty league around team around. That's how you turn it around. You don't do it by getting the best projected guys. Oh, oh, you know, uh, uh, this guy's going to carry the ball. It means I'm projecting, uh, you know, 42 catches for 380 yards. Oh, God, no, no, no. Fuck that. Nobody, you don't win with that shit. You win by getting massive return on small, tiny investments. You're not going to get that with the slow and steady, nice, you know, slow and steady is great for the early rounds. It's great for those players. You don't need the number one scorer in fantasy football. You don't need Jonathan Taylor. You're fine. Jonathan Taylor, oh, no. I only have Nick Chubb. Oh, he's not going to catch as many balls. Who gives a shit? That's not, that's not, that's going to be marginal, the differences. The difference is whether you get that, the, the, the James Cook, who I love. In Buffalo, you get him in the second round of your dynasty rookie draft. Like, holy shit, man. He's twice the size of Devin Singletary. He should be the goal line back. If it's not Zach Moss, they only have Duke Johnson, Devin Singletary. James Cook likes it, looks like Derrick Henry compared to those two. I love James Cook. Oh, my God, do I love him. Right? Love, love, love that one. Like Ramondre Stevenson in New England a lot. Second-year guy, yes, it's a crowded backfield, but Damian Harris is coming up on his rookie deal. They drafted Pierre Strong. So, you know, it's still James White. and They drafted Kevin Harris, for hell's sake, man. So, it doesn't seem like they're planning on keeping Damian Harris from Andre Stevens. It could be the lead dog next year. Damian Pierce, I love. Um, You know, other guys like Benny Snell. And he still's a good little runner, but you know, and Anthony McFarland, I was big on last year. He was a secret stash of mine as well. Doesn't it didn't seem like Matt Canada, his offense coordinator from Maryland, cared that much about that. Didn't give him McFarland a lot. But if Najee Harris goes down, think what makes Najee Harris go isn't really his effectiveness, it's his volume. And even though the pass catching will go down. Benny Snell could walk into a golden opportunity in Pittsburgh. Not a bad little stash, right? You know the running backs. I'm not going to tell you Tony Pollard. No, you know that. But what about Hassan Haskins? Fourth round pick out of uh, uh, Michigan. I think Michigan? Big 10. Wisconsin or Michigan? Oh, whatever. You guys could Google it. 
uh, either way, Haskins is a big motherfucker. He's a Derrick Henry type of runner. Nobody's going to be Derrick Henry, but he's, you know, why was he dry? He's the handcuff. If Henry can't go, he's going to be the backbone of the offense, can't catch the ball too. So that, that's all they have. They don't have another guy. Jordan Wilkins, no, no, no. So I like that pick. Samir White, another rookie that Ken and Drake likely you know, has an out after this year in the contract has been banged up. And Josh Jacobs, they didn't renew the fifth-year option on him. So it could be Samir White's backfield for Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas next year with Devonta Adams and Derek Carr and Darren Waller. Pretty good. Love that. Another secret stash guy there. Not going to cost you a first-rounder. Um, other players, uh, Kenny Niguano from Minnesota, while everybody else rushes out for Alexander Madison, Madison's rookie contracts coming up too. He's been productive filling in for cook. So he's going to want starter money. They're not going to want to give him that. Niguano, we've saw a lot. You guys are watching games. No, it's an interesting ad for, you know, super deep league, Tony Jones, Jr. In new Orleans. Now new Orleans is the backfield that I'm circling. Camara is going to be suspended. We know it. How many games? We don't know. Mark Ingram's 150 years old. He's not long for it. He's not going to carry the backfield. Abram Smith, does. this is a dude, converted linebacker, has talent. He's the rookie undrafted free agent that they brought in, but I don't think he's a threat. Tony Jones, I know Sean Payton's not there, but it's still Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, and Dennis Allen, the head coach, who was there with Jones last year, and they seem to really like this kid. He played a third of offensive snaps just about every game that he was healthy last year. He had that miserable game where he got against Buffalo. Uh, he got a lot of run. I don't have the stats in front of me. I'm not going to go clicking all over fucking Google for it. You guys can look it up. But he had a shitty game against Buffalo last year sort of took some bloom off the rose when he did get an opportunity, but he could, if he goes into this new Orleans offense that solved their offensive line issue, get Michael Thomas back, Olave and Landry opens up those lanes, especially the check down lanes where they throw to Camara Jones could have even a four Camara's out four games. That could be a pretty good four game run for Tony Jones, who might even be on the waiver wire in your, in your dynasty league. So um, that's another one. Um, Tyrion Davis Price. I think he's I'm starting to see him a lot more. We don't know what's going to happen in San Francisco. It's Elijah Mitchell's backfield technically, but Trey Sermon, the third rounder from last year, and Tyrion Davis Price, third rounder from this year, are both lingering. So I, I think it's going to be a healthy competition in San Francisco. And I wouldn't, you never rule out when you make a third round investment, that's saying something, you know. That is saying something. I, San Francisco has been terrible drafting, but why why continue to waste third round picks if that's not the case? Um, wide receivers that I'm circling here. Um, you know, nobody needs to know about Gabriel Davis. Uh, oh, Devin Duvernay. Don't forget, he led college football in receptions in uh, 2019 year before he was drafted out of Texas. Been kicking around in Baltimore. Baltimore traded Marquise Brown. Haven't really replaced him. They never really replaced him with anything, right? They brought in a bunch of diminutive speedy guys 
in in college free agency. We'll see how that plays out. But I Duvernay has a couple kickoff returns for the Ravens. Everybody's flocking to Bateman, and that's fine. But Bateman's the possession receiver. If you want a Marquise Hollywood Brown, Devin Duvernay might be that guy, and you get him for absolutely nothing right now. Another secret stash for you um elsewhere you all know david david bell i love in cleveland i think he starts from jump street and that's just a tremendous what a great second round pick in rookie drafts oh i literally could not love that pick enough it's just it's just perfect just very productive gonna have deshaun watson for the next five years alex pierce you know that oh alex pierce you know alec pierce i alec Alex, like, come on, man. Do we really need two of those names? Can't we just do one? Here's a name that those who've been longtime Jeff Mann's people know. Michael Strahan, University of Charleston. I loved him coming out of school last year. He had some of the worst quarterback play you'll ever see, but the dude is a beast. And the Colts drafted him in the, in the seventh round. Wasn't supposed to be drafted. Wasn't on anybody's radar. But he's 6'5, 225, and runs a 4'440. Has leaping ability. It fascinating thing about Strawhan last year. He, I talked him up all summer. He had a great training camp. He had a great preseason. We're thinking, holy shit, I'm going to hit on this monster. And then the very first passing play for the Indianapolis Colts last year, Strawhan caught the ball. He's the first catch of the whole season and was active for like, four more games didn't play i think he played maybe 25 snaps the rest of the way he actually had a decent enough like first game uh in that game had that first catch and, and everything but i don't know why mike strawn was like you know um just sort of thrown out after such good momentum it's kind of weird right like he had two for 26 in that first game, both first down catches and had one more target the entire rest of the season. That was the next week. I don't know why, but definitely a name to know. And Pierce will be popular. Pittman, Paris Campbell will have some people, but Strawhan, that's the guy to pay attention to. Um, elsewhere in uh, Tennessee, don't know with Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, first round pick, love him. Des Fitzpatrick's fourth rounder from last year that I've had my eye on. I liked him going into the draft last year, did not like um, his landing spot in Tennessee. Then Westbrook Akine sort of passed him up, you know, um, last year. And then Fitzpatrick sort of came back into it, had that touchdown catch against the Houston Texans somewhere in the middle of the season. And I didn't really hear from him since, but that's a name to pay attention to as well. Don't know what's going to happen in Denver. Uh, they, they got a lot of guys. I like Seth Williams, a six rounder from 2021. He is kicking around out there with Jerry Judy. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, that, you know, Seth Williams, a name to know in Kansas city is everybody, everybody. It's all up for grabs. You have your Skymore people, your Juju people. I'm a Nicole Hardman guy. Um, I'm willing to go after him in Dynasty. If he has a monster year and they would re-sign him, the only thing with Hardman is we do have a contract situation where he is up. 
his contract's going to be up. So are they going to just fucking throw him away? And, you know, that it's, it's possible that they do that. All right. But if you end up with Sky Moore in your draft, say you had a mid first round pick, go out and see what it takes for the Hardman owner to try to get him. That way you, you secure which one of those guys wind up being the next three, four years with Patrick Mahomes. I think it's justifiable to go do that. Um, Josh Palmer. Oh, we love him in LA. I know they just resigned Mike Williams. Keenan Allen's a beast, but Josh Palmer's the real deal. He's the third there. Great acquisition. You could buy low on out there as well. Um, Let's see other uh, guys that I like at other spots. Um, don't really have anybody. I li- love DJ Chark. I, that's not really somebody you can get for cheap necessarily. Just signed a pretty big free agent deal. Um, Romeo Dubs, fourth rounder out of Nevada. It's crowded and just like Kansas City, Green Bay, we're all circling. Is it Lazard, Cobb, Watson, Watkins, Dubs? Don't know. But if Romeo Dubs, the fourth rounder, is the cheapest of all of them, I'll take a shot. I will take a shot. Uh, and then Terrace Marshall Jr. Everybody knows I love that Carolina Panther wide receiver LSU. He he was with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. I, I'm just gonna that that's enough for me. Though you had those two and you were making some of the bigger plays. That's all I needs to know. Fucking I want Terrace Marshall. Get him for whatever you can. It's not gonna cost you much. I promise. Um, there you go. That's some of my secret stash for fantasy football dynasty league format. Oh, I didn't do tight ends. Um, tight end. I mean, the one guy, the only tight end I really have, I think it's Isaiah likely fourth rounder in Baltimore, because that's such a heavy tight end system that I think deserves some attention. Don't, you know, go out. OJ Howard. Why did Buffalo bring him in? A lot of excitement about Dawson Knox, but another guy, whose contract is coming up and they bring in OJ Howard. He does. He's a pass catching guy. I don't know. Harrison Bryant of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I like a great deal. Um, and then uh, Jelani Woods of Indianapolis. I love, I like Jelani Woods a lot. What a great system. Frank Reich's system is one of the best in the NFL for the tight end position. Love going out and get him. I'm always a fan of Donald Parham even though they brought in Gerald Everett and LA for the chargers Parham's just a, a touchdown machine. He's so much bigger and faster that uh, I, I like that a great deal. Dynasty league Cole Turner. If Ron Rivera and Scott Turner stick around in Washington, Cole Turner is a very raw, big pass catching tight end, but he's not there yet, but they don't give a shit. Logan Thomas is their starter. He was a quarterback who turned, you know, who would they to convert to tight end. So they, they're all about developing a tight end in Washington. So don't back away from that one. Um, yeah, that's about it. Those are my secret stashes at the skill positions for dynasty leagues. I think that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Thank you for indulging me in my rants. And uh, yes, go ahead. Go spread it around. Go tell everybody I talked mean to them. Oh, poor babies. Poor little babies had uh, the big bad mans yell at them, but it's true. Stop acting a fool and uh, I will stop calling you out for it. 
If there's anything else, future episodes, you guys want me hit on any topics. I'm all ears at Jeff underscore mans. Again, we've got a lot of guests and special shows lined up in the future. Head over to fantasyguru.com. If by the way, if you sign up fantasyguru.com, if you get the football package, that is the draft guide. We haven't officially launched it, but it's the draft guide and full season content, but we're going to also have uh, data. We're also going to have elite plus podcast network which if you like our 50 strategy podcasts and um, specialty shows, not this show, but other shows by me, uh, that's part of the elite plus our off season package uh, or all of that stuff. Um, you can get it over there at fantasyguru.com. So go there and check that out. Also want to give a shout out to our sponsor underdog fantasy, get over there right now, every, and use the promo code elite E L I T E. When you do so remember, this is a great opportunity. The thing that underdog does well, you double your first deposit automatically. I strong up to hundred dollars. Make sure deposit hundred. You're going to play hundred. That way you get $200 to play with. That should, unless you're a fake high stakes guy, that's plenty to, uh, to, to get you through this entire summer of drafting best ball. It's a $3 million top prize, $2 million for second, a million for third. So, and when you use the promo code, not only do you double your entry fee, you also are alerted to when I'm in a draft, when Ted and Ray and Armando and CJ, our entire elite mafia, when other elite mafia members are in drafts, you're notified. You could follow what I'm doing in my best ball league drafts, which is something I absolutely love. Again, transparency always here at uh, fantasyguru.com and elite sports network. So get over there, underdogfantasy.com, promo code elite, double your deposit, find out. And you can draft with us. If you want to go against me in best ball leagues and talk that trash all the time, go over there and check it out. I'll be rolling a lot. I'll be mega multi-entering that contest. That's for sure. Three million bucks. Hells to the yeah. Remember to follow me at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans Facebook Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. That's going to do it. Episode 111 in the books, folks. You may disagree with some or everything that you heard today, and you probably did, especially if you're a high-stakes player, and it's okay, ladies and gentlemen. And the reason it's okay is because this. It was one man's opinion. That's it. Have your own. This was mine. One man's opinion. We're out. See you next time, everybody. Deuces!